That's the craziest video ever. <laughs> I don't know what. Hey, man, how are you guys doing tonight? Yeah? Yeah, I'm nervous, okay? Because uh, I get to talk to the thousands of people I see on a weekly basis on the subject of... Come, just cue the music for them. Cue the music. to know this is totally normal for me. This is like exactly what I do. Um, as a matter of fact, you know what? Hey, listen, concerning the message tonight, if any of you want to contact me, my personal email is chris.pasic at metrocitychurch.tv. And I just want you to feel free to unload any personal concerns or thoughts, uh, no matter how wild or possibly offensive, you just let me know and you email me, okay? You guys work that out. I'm just kidding. Man, tonight's going to be crazy. Uh, if you're a guest here with us, thank you so much for being here. I believe this is exactly where God wants you to be. My name is Jack. I'm one of the pastors around here. I'm not the care pastor. I'm the community pastor. But because I got this gullible face, they keep putting care on there. And I care that it's not community. So I'm trying to get them to change that. But anyway, I'm really glad that you guys are here. Uh, tonight we are in our old school series in the book of Song of Solomon, which means, yes, we are talking all about sex. And listen, I know that freaks some of you guys out, okay, because we're in church. And Jesus and sex just sound crazy together. And I totally understand I love ice cream, and I love ketchup. Putting them together would just be weird. So I want you to know I get how you feel if you think sex and church. This is very weird. Uh, also, for some of you, I know what you've been thinking for the past couple weeks. You are way past the sex talk. You've been married for decades. You guys are like, not this again. We already know. But listen to me. Please listen. Isn't there so much confusion and abuse that happens because of sex. If you were to be honest right now and think, okay, this isn't just about sex, how many people in this room have scars and regrets because of messed up sexual behavior and messed up sexual thinking? How many husbands are bitter against their wives because of sex or no sex? How many wives feel un unloved, unwanted, uncherished because of sex, because of pornography. Se there's, there is so much more to sex than just sex. And in God's wonderful book, I just want to share with you how he explains that. So are you guys ready? You guys want to do this? You guys ready for it to get a little awkward? Yeah, it's, it's going to get awkward, I'm just saying. Yeah. So... Uh, I just want to do a little recap. Okay, let's do a little recap of what we've learned. Okay, that sound, okay. Gre uh, so weeks one and two, Pastor Chris did a great job at celebrating sex. Sex is a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. 
And God says it's a good thing, and he would know because he created it. And then he talked about attraction and how important attraction is and how can we be attractive. What's the right way to be attractive? Husbands, we've got to be serving our wives. Wives, you have got to be confident in your beauty. You need that for, for there to be attraction in your, in your marriage. And then week three, uh, Pastor Greg took it a little bit further a, a lot more further than I would like, personally. Um, I will never eat raisins in front of Greg and my sister ever again. <laughs> ever. It's just, it's not going to happen. And, ever. And I'm, I'm just saying, listen, there are sometimes I'm in church and one of the pastors said something and it's amazing. I'm like, that's right, amen. I'm like high-fiving folks. But when Pastor Greg was talking about uh, my dear sweet sister and Pastor Chris was talking about twin gazelles and grabbing grapes, I was like, okay, Pastor, I can't believe you just said that in here. Like, I was trying to avoid, I was trying to avoid eye contact with everybody. So that's the recap. Uh, that's what we've been talking about. But I get to talk about the good stuff. I get to talk about, Sean said, the power of pleasure, and we change it. I want to talk to you about the art of pleasure. So we've talked about the art of attraction, the art of dating, and just to be cutesy, the art of pleasure. But there is a lot that goes in with pleasure. See, all of us are looking for pleasure. We all want pleasure. Everybody in tune with themselves? Some people deny this. We all want pleasure. And I'm going to argue that point with you, but first, because I have to get it out of the way and I don't want to throw up midway, there is a lot of make-you-blush kind of pleasure found in Song of Solomon, and I would like to read that first. So if you go to Song of Solomon, chapter 7, we're going to go ahead and start in verse 1. We're going to read Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. It'll be right up there on the screen behind me where I can't see it or your eyes. All right, here we go. Verse 1. How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden. Now, you might have a note in your Bible that says sandaled feet means footsteps. So maybe this husband is singing out to his wife and saying, oh, I love it when I hear you head my way. I love it when I hear you coming to me. Then it says this, your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a skilled craftsman. He's like, ooh, girl, your hips don't lie. I love your hips. That's just what he's saying. This is in the Bible. I didn't make this up. Trust me, I did not, did not want to do this. Okay? Verse 2, it gets, no, it gets, it gets worse. Verse 2, your navel is perfectly formed like a, gobble, a goblet filled with mixed wine. That's like a cup, okay? Now, let's just stop right there because, and I'm not going to explain this to you, either he is talking about her belly button being wet with an intoxicating drink, or he's talking about something else, being wet and intoxicating. But maybe he's just a belly button guy, so let's just move on. All right, so next verse, next part. Between your thighs lies a mound of wheat bordered with lilies. Now, in those days, a mound of wheat, now you got, this is, this is thousands of years ago. In those days, a lot of people were familiar with agriculture, with the outdoors, with wheat and stuff. 
a mound of wheat was like a comfortable, restful place. You would go after working hard all day, and you could just lay down in it. You could rest in it. You could take a nap in it, okay? That's just what it says. And lilies were beautiful. In the Middle East still, lilies are amazing. Their blossom is amazing. They're blooming. Lilies were known for their beauty and their opening up and their blooming, okay? The emphasis here is something comfortable, relaxing, and blossoming, a place of ecstasy and pleasure. Do you realize what this guy is talking about? Yeah, yeah, me too. And Pastor Greg and Pastor Chris and Pastor Jay are not here tonight. They left me here alone tonight to talk to you about this. I'm not kidding. They're really not here. They're gone, okay? They're gone is what you want. You, you know the old saying, men only want one thing? Okay. He's talking about that one thing. That's exactly what he's talking about. And listen, peace, listen. You have no idea what it's like to be studying this book in the Bible in a church office. People be walking by like, oh, what's up, Pastor Jack? What you? I'm like slamming my computer shut. I'm, t- I'm, like, I'm like, oh, no, I'm just reading God's word. What are you doing? I'm like, I haven't looked at anybody in the eyes in 10 days. Like, I'm, it's been the craziest Bible study I've ever been through in my life. And it talks about this. But I, I <laughs> we, we, we've got to keep going. We got to keep going. Okay. All right. Number three, it actually is a lot... It's kind of downhill from here. I'm not going to pass out. This is great. Verse 3, your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is is as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the sparkling pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bethrebim. Your nose is as fine as the tower of Lebanon overlooking Damascus. Weird, but whatever. (laughs) Your head is as majestic as Mount Carmel, and the sheen of your hair radiates royalty. None of us understand what that just meant, but I want you to pay attention to this next part, okay? He's obviously talking about her body, and he's now done with the whole part. Listen to this next part. This is key. The king is held captive by its tresses. Oh, how beautiful you are, how pleasing, my love, how full of delights. What is the point of everything he's saying other than getting too detailed in it? He's saying pleasure, the pleasure I find in my wife is intoxicating and captivating. And he's teaching us a lot more than just sex. All pleasure is captivating and intoxicating, isn't it? Anything that brings you pleasure draws you in. Anything that you think will bring you pleasure, you're, you're, you don't, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. You are going to be drawn toward that very thing. Pleasure is powerful. It captivates. It's very visual. It's very sensual. And it's very intense. And particularly what we're talking about, the immense pleasure found in sex is one of the greatest pleasures in the world. See, we all want pleasure. Even some of you in this room right now that think, I'm done with sex. I'm pet mostly women. I'm done with sex. I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. But you want pleasure. You just replace the pleasure of sex with anything else. There is something that draws you in. You can replace the pleasure with sex with anything, whether it's sex or food or men's applause 
or heroin or revenge. I mean, think about it. It doesn't even matter if it's right or wrong. It could be morally wrong. You can know it's wrong. But if it brings you pleasure, it has got a power over you. You want pleasure. And because you want it, it has a power over you. And we'll do whatever it takes to get it, won't we? I mean, maybe this isn't you specifically, but you know everyone in this room, we will do a lot of things to get the pleasure we think is going to be the best. We'll masturbate. We'll commit adultery. We'll steal. We'll cheat. We'll lie. We'll stick a syringe in our arm. We'll give away our dignity. We'll make it to where our kids can never respect us again. We will do crazy things for pleasure. There is such an immense power in pleasure. It draws you, and you need to be honest with yourself. You need to know that, because not just with sex, but with anything else. If anything brings you pleasure, you better admit and know that it's got some power over you. And tonight, I just want to tell you, I know you're going to look for pleasure. I just want to tell you where. I want to tell you, I want to share with you, I want to plead with you, where can you find the best pleasure out there? Because it's not in sex, and it's not in drugs, and it's not in food. Sorry I'm getting all weepy on you. I've been mulling over this. I've been being nervous. We were built for pleasure. God made us for pleasure. And we, when we don't get the pleasure that we want, we have an unmet need. And an unmet need is a dangerous need. You should write that down. Really. You, I, I, no one's writing anything. You guys really should write some of this stuff down. An unmet need is a dangerous need. And you need pleasure, you're going to find it. You were designed this way. God designed you this way. So here's the overall truth that we see in Song of Solomon. Truth number one, God promises you the best pleasure. Now listen to me, in Song of Solomon particularly, God sex is the best sex. He paints the picture of sex that I just read very few verses on, very detailed, very exotic. God sex is the best sex. And that's the whole reason why we named this series The Happiest Ending, because God promises you the best pleasure, not just a good pleasure, but the best pleasure. He wants you to have that happy ending. Everything that this couple does in Song of Solomon, the dating, the attraction, the foreplay, the tasting of fruit and wine, which is not talking about food, um, the full-blown sex, the whole deal, all the wonderful, gratifying things in it, all this God is saying, yes, I want that for you. I promise that for you. I want you to have the best pleasure, but it's only found my way. If you try to find pleasure in sex in a way that's outside of God's leadership, it's going to leave you empty. And I know you guys know that. Do you know that? Do you know that when you try to have that immediate pleasure in a way that God doesn't honor, that that steals something from you? That that robs you? That that makes it... There's a darkness, there's an evil, there's a hurt, there's a pain, there's a regret, there's a bitterness, there's, there's something still missing, something still lacking. That happens when you try to find pleasure outside of God's leadership. Many of you have heard this verse, 
if you've been around the church scene for a while, a lot of people memorize this. It's Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, when I was a kid, or no, I actually wasn't a kid. When I was younger, I used to think, what? So all I got to do is be like, Jesus is awesome. God's going to give me everything I want. But it doesn't say he's going to give you what you want. He's going to give you wants. He's going to give you new things to desire. So if you set your mind on, I'm going to believe God's promises. I'm going to believe him that his pleasure, his, the pleasure that he promises are the best pleasure those things are going to start having power over you. Just like if you thought food was going to be, bring you pleasure, you'd be up at night, 9.30, 10.30 o'clock, like me, eating nachos when you know you shouldn't. You, I, that, that stuff has a power over me. I, I get drawn to it. I can't help it in my mind. I really can't help it, and I should. But I think that that's going to bring me the best pleasure. Well, if I think that God is going to bring me the best pleasure, God's going to have power over me. I'm going to have a new sense of power where I look at what God promises and I say, that's what I want. That is true. I trust him, not me. So you guys have heard that, voice, uh, that verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God promises you the best pleasure and you should trust him. But what's the problem? Everyone knows, well, almost everyone knows what the problem is, right? We should know. What's the problem? Every time God promises you something, we've got an enemy. There is an enemy out there, and I'm not trying to get weird about Satan. People either underestimate him or overemphasize him. I'm not trying to do either, but we do have an enemy. Every time God brings a promise, the enemy brings a lie. So truth number two, the devil also promises you the best pleasure, but he is a liar. Now, I know this is a big spoiler alert for you guys. This is all new information. You guys are getting pumped. You know, Satan's a liar. I'm so glad I learned that. But, I mean, think about it. Because all of us have had times where we believe his lies, don't we? All of us have had times where we thought, no, maybe, maybe this way is the best way. Maybe God doesn't know what he's talking about. That's the devil. That's a lie. That's wrong. The devil promises you the best pleasure, but he's a liar. And when we seek our pleasure this way, it's destructive. It's ruining us. It doesn't end in the happiest ending. It ends in broken homes, broken relationships, bodies that are falling apart. It's leaving us addicted and leaving our bodies sick and wasteful. When we seek for pleasure in things outside of God's leadership, it leaves us broken. Now, the biblical word, word for this is temptation, and it's all about pleasure. Uh, when Jesus was walking around 2,000 years ago, he had disciples, you know, followers. We call them disciples. And they, you know, he had the t famous 12. Well, one of the 12 was named John. And they titled him the beloved disciple. He was the closest one to Jesus for whatever reasons, I don't know. But this was Jesus' best friend. And he writes in the New Testament about this kind of pleasures, these pleasures that the devil promises you. They're called temptations. And he writes about them, he says, uh, he says, the devil promises you pleasures that, that feed into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He says it's going to make you feel good, it looks good, or it's going to make you good. And that's how he tricks us. Uh, God's sex is the best sex. The devil's sex 
is not the best sex, it's just sex. So I want you guys to repeat after me, because I'm not the only one that wants to be saying sex 50 times tonight, okay? So I'm going to need you guys. I really want you to repeat after me. Please do it. I'm asking you, if you would, please. I want you to repeat. God sex is the best sex. Devil sex is just sex. Or but the devil sex. Or but devil sex is just sex. Chuck is my man up here. I love Chuck. Chuck, I love you, man. I just love you. And yet, even though most of us in this room would say that we know this, uh, the devil still has some of us believing that we can have it a different way, that, that you can't have pleasure God's way. And I know I'm speaking to some of you guys that are probably not familiar with the church scene, and you're like, I have sex all the time, and I don't regret anything. I don't know what you're talking about. I just... I just want to ask you this. If it's true that God exists and he created you and he created sex and he loves you and he tells you it's only for one thing and that's for marriage, that's between a husband and a wife, do you really think that you know better than God himself? Do you really believe the lie? Are you really that blind that you think... God doesn't know what he's talking about. God. God doesn't know what he's talking about. You know better than God. I just want to warn you as a friend. If you do things your way, whether you regret it today or next year or 50 years from now, one day you're going to meet your creator. You're going to meet God. And he is amazing. He's so loving and merciful and gracious and kind. It's unbelievable. But if you've lived your life doing things your way, and you've left broken relationships and hurts and people's behind you, and you just have this attitude that pff, whatever my way is the best way, what do you think he's going to tell you on that day when you see him? I beg you. I beg you, I beg you, do not believe the promises of the devil. And don't even believe yourself. Believe in God. Believe that God's promises are the best promises. When he promises you pleasure, those are going to be the best pleasures. When he tells you to stop doing something, you stop doing something. When he tells you it's better this way, believe in him. Believe in God. That's what we're here for. That's the whole reason why this church exists is because we want people to know about God. We want to help people take their next steps toward God and with God. God has good for you. God's promises are not empty. You think God's holding out on you? Do you think God's trying to make you miserable? That's what we do to ourselves. God's promises are the best. And when he promises you pleasure, it's going to be the best. You know, nobody plans to be 400 pounds. I mean, am I lying? Nobody plans that. I mean, I, I don't even plan to be 20 pounds overweight. I might be 30 pounds overweight, but I, don't, I didn't plan it. Either way, I'm not planning on it. But food's got, it's got a power over me. I love it. I enjoy it so much. And in those moments, if I just think, hmm, this is going to be the best, I'm going to be happy if I just do this, I'm going to do what I want. 
I'm going to give in to that. It's going to have power over me. You talk to any addict, you think they plan for their life to go that way? You think they wanted to end up where they are as an addict? You think they wanted to lose all that? Of course they didn't. But they weren't thinking what's the best pleasure according to God's leadership. They were just, they're, they're just thinking, what's, what, what can I get? They're like the rest of us. What, I just want, what, what's going to bring me the best, best pleasure? And they think about themselves. They think about what they think. And God's trying to teach us, what does God promise you? What are the promises of God? We know with sex, God's sex is the best sex. The devil's sex is just sex. It's good for a moment. But this is what Satan tries to do. He tries to convince you that a moment of pleasure is worth a lifetime of regret. That a moment of pleasure is worth a lifetime of pain. That if you can just get this now your way, you'll be happy. And he's lying. You guys probably know who Michael Phelps is. Anybody know who Michael Phelps is? He hasn't really been on TV recently, but I'm just kidding. He's in the Olympics. He's a swimmer, okay? Uh, he is worth $55 million. Did you guys know that? That's a lot of money. I mean, I got some of that, but I mean, he's got $55 million. That's what he's worth. And he is the most winningest, that's a real word, you can, you can Google it. He is the most winningest gold medalist in history. He has worn more gold medals than anybody else. And in 2014, he was arrested for driving under the influence. And because he started contemplating suicide, he checked himself into rehab. One of the greatest athletes of all time had all the money he could want. There wasn't anything that Michael Phelps couldn't get, and he was on the verge of suicide, destroying his life. He went to a rehab center, and this guy named Ray, this famous football player, gave him a book. It's not the Bible, but it points him toward the Bible. It was called The Purpose Driven Life. And Michael Phelps started reading this book, and you can read this, this is in the news. He said that that interaction between getting that book and reading it is what changed his life because he found out, he was able to answer the question, I've been looking for pleasure in all the wrong places. And it has had a power over me, and it brought me to one of the darkest places a person can go. Empty, bad reputation, a dark place in his life. And now Michael Phelps is out of that. Why? Because he's no longer believing the promises of the devil. He's not looking for pleasure in the wrong places. And the Olympics are a great way to illustrate this for you and for me. You know, the Olympics, the, the greatest athletes in all the world come to one place and they compete. I don't know if you've ever seen those uh, videos where it shows the gold medalists, the interviews, and you hear them talking and they're like, I've been training for this moment my entire life. I was five years old doing somersaults in the living room. And I'm like, dude, when I was five years old, all I wanted was tater tots. I, what, you were training for the Olympics, five years old. And they're going through all this stuff, and, 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 you, and they tell their story, and you read their story. That means every day, at every meal, at every practice, at every choice, every decision, they ask themselves in some way, what is going to bring me the most pleasure? What is going to bring me the best? And because they believed in their heart that it wasn't the immediate pleasure that was right in front of them, 
they were able to go on to be the best athletes in the world. So I want you to ask yourself this week, and I, I really do, I mean this because I do this on a, on a regular basis. When you're tempted with pornography, you guys out there, and you're alone, and it can happen, and you start feeling that temptation, and you have that, just that empty feeling in your stomach like, I know I'm going to do it. I can't fight this. Will I ever be able to fight this? I want you to know, you ask yourself, what's going to bring me the most pleasure? And I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to look toward God. I want you to look toward him and say, God, I'm ready. What, what do you say is the best for me? What's going to bring me the best pleasure? And God's got answers for you. And you ask God in your heart, you pray, what's gonna, what is it? What's going to bring me? What are your promises? When you're, when you're dealing with anything, if it's food, ask yourself, what's going to bring me the best pleasure? What's going to do it for me? God wants the best for you. And that's not like a self-help you know, thing where I just try to throw it out there. Hey, God's awesome. Come get him. He wants the best for you. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to be faithful to what Jesus did. Jesus died so that you can have the best. You can have God. You, he promises you the best pleasure, and if you would trust him, I guarantee you, you would have life, real life. You would know what real pleasure is really about. Jesus says this in John's book. I've come, or he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. The art of pleasure is just believing God. You want to know what it means to have that master? Just trust God. God promises you the best pleasure. And if you believe him, that's going to have a power over you and it's going to draw you toward him. Don't believe the devil. Don't waste your life. Don't waste the life that God wants for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this weekend. I thank you for the guests here. I can't convince them. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to their hearts. Open their ears. Let them know the truth. I pray for our church family. Lord, help us to be more like you. Help us to really seek for our pleasure in you. I know that your sex is the best sex. I know that your pleasures are the best pleasure. I know that what you say is right is good, and I pray that you would help me to live it out. And I pray for our church, Lord. Help us to be a next steps church, helping people taking next steps towards you. And I pray that you would help us to carry this message to our communities. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Before you guys get up, a lot of you, we still got time. We, we let out early. Some of you guys need to get right with God. You guys need to talk with God. You need to pray. If you want someone to pray with, we've got people that want to pray with you. But some of you have been bitter against your wife because of this sex thing. And God says, don't be bitter against your wife. Some of you have been looking at pornography and you're living in shame over and over again. You feel like, I'm never going to escape this. And God wants to set you free. And you need to tell him right now, God, I'm guilty. But I know I don't have to live in shame. I've done wrong, but I, I trust you. I want to believe you help me. I believe that your promises are the best. 
Some of you got issues with food like me. I, I love chocolate ice cream. I hate it. I love it and I hate it. It's a love-hate relationship. I got to work on that. Whatever it is, take some time. We got nine minutes. Please take some time. I love you guys.